Overturning in our Bibles this evening as we come to the gospel message, to the message of the prophet Jeremiah. We're turning to Jeremiah, please, and the chapter 8 and the verse 18. Jeremiah, please, and the chapter 8 and the verse 18. I would like to speak to you this evening under the title, Summer is Ended. Summer is Ended. Jeremiah and the chapter 8, and we're reading from the verse 18, uh, just a few verses from God's word tonight, not a long reading, uh, but a very, very important reading. Jeremiah chapter 8 and the verse 18. This is the word of the Lord, and it reads, When I would comfort myself against sorrow, my heart is faint in me. Behold the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people because of them that dwell in a far country. Is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their graven images and with strange vanities? The harvest is past. The summer is ended. And we are not seeing. For the heart of the daughter of my people am I hurt. I am black. Astonishment hath taken hold on me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain. Of the daughter of my people. And we trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts this evening. Let's make verse 20 of chapter 8 our text for this evening. The harvest is past. The summer is ended. And we are not saved. In one month's time, it will be in the Lord's will, our harvest Sunday here at Grange Baptist Church. When we will turn to the Lord and we'll give thanks for all his goodness and the temporal blessings that he bestows on us each year. And of course this year our harvest will be particularly special as we will launch our harvest gospel mission as well. And then of course if you're on social media you'll have seen in the past week and maybe in the week that lies ahead all of the photographs of children standing at their front doors in their brand new uniforms ready for another year of school that lies ahead. And for me, all of those things combined are clear indicators that, well, summer is over. And uh, when I think of another summer, summer season that's ended and we get begin to make our preparations for our harvest service, the verse that we have read in Scripture tonight should cause us to sit up and take note. You see, as we come to the Gospel message this evening, God's Word causes each of us to examine our hearts and ask the question, could this heart, or could this verse be applied to your heart? Could it be applied to your life? The summer is ended, and you are not saved. Another year passed. Another summer is come and gone, and yet you're not saved. 
You know, it's Jeremiah who said these words because the people he preached to day after day, week after week, year after year, had wasted many opportunities to repent and seek the Lord with their heart. Jeremiah continually preached and told them that they needed to turn from their sin and to turn back to the Lord, but they passed up all these opportunities. And dear friends tonight, for some of you, I fear that's what you're like too. You hear the offer of the opportunity to come to Christ. You hear the call to repent for your, of your sins. And you sit under sermons week by week, year after year, and you're still not saved. You already know what you need to do. And yet here, here we are in the first Lord's Day of September. Summer is ended. The children are going back to school. The winter season is starting and you're not saved. And I wonder tonight, will it just be another time when you sit and you listen to the gospel message preached again and it's going to be another evening wasted in God's presence? You know, this verse we're focusing on this evening, it sums up the entire book of Jeremiah because the Israelites had many opportunities to repent of their sins and turn to the Lord. Jeremiah's message was the exact same as all the rest of the prophets who had come before him. Judgment is coming and you need to repent and you need to turn to the Lord. I want you to notice three things from these verses that we have read together this evening. And the first of those is this. There's a worrying prospect that we need to consider. A worrying prospect. The summer is ended and you are not saved. Dear friends, that's a worrying prospect. This was Israel's darkest day. They were headed for judgment and they didn't seem to care. You know, for a long time, for a long time before this day that Jeremiah said this, the Lord had called this nation to be his people. And through Abraham, the Lord had said he would be their God and they would be his people and they were to worship the Lord and they were to honor the Lord and they were to serve the Lord with all their lives. And the Lord alone was to be their focus. He was to be their priority. He was to be their first and only love. And the Israelites were to live for the Lord and to glorify the Lord and to enjoy him. Because the Lord was the one who had redeemed them and delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And because of what the Lord had done for the Israelites, they weren't to worship any other God. But if you know the history of the Israelites, it's a history full of disobedience and disappointment. Because they didn't obey the Lord. And they did that which was right in their own eyes. And when they were left to themselves, they would worship other gods and they would bow down to idols. And this went on for decades. In fact, they spent 40 years wandering the wilderness on the way to the land that God had promised them. And that was all overshadowed by disobedience. Then came the era and God sent all these judges in. And these judges would come in and they would call the people to repent of their sin. And the people would repent, but they always turned away from God again. And judge after judge after judge judge came in. And then after the period of the judges, then there were the kings. And God placed kings over them. And it seemed that each king that succeeded the former was worse than the last. And to combat, to combat all the disobedience of his people, the Lord raised up prophets like Jeremiah, who would warn the people that if they didn't turn and repent, the Lord was going to bring judgment. 
And as the prophets came, their role was to proclaim God's truth. Their job was to challenge any of the people who were worshipping false gods. They were called to call the people to see their error in their ways and to turn back to God. But when you look at the history of the Israelites, it didn't matter how many prophets were sent to preach or how many times the message was proclaimed. They simply weren't listening. They were ignoring all the warnings of God's judgment. And it seemed that they put all the warnings to the back of their heads and they carried on with their lives just the way they were living. And they thought they would be okay in the end. And they passed up all those opportunities. And I believe the same is true today. And here in our text this evening... It seems that these people have come to a realization of the state of their soul. It's a worrying prospect. We see that the text tells us that the sunshine and blessing of summer is over. And suddenly the realization, the awesome, terrible reality of the fact that they're in a foreign land. They're away from God. They're away from the temple. Away from everything that means that they worship God in the right way. And their sins and iniquities have separated them from their God. And they have this terrible realization, we're not saved. We're not saved. That's terrible words. What an awful cry to come from the heart of any sinner. We're not saved. I'm not saved. And I know I'm not saved. Is that you tonight? You're here tonight and maybe you can say that you're not saved. You know that sin rules your life. You know that your life is spiraling out of control and you're in need of hope. You say, I'm not saved. The truth is, you're maybe here and you know fine rightly that you're far from the grace of God. And you know that if you weren't to wake up tomorrow, that there'd be no hope for you at the pearly gate. These people were concerned about their souls and their situation. It was a worrying prospect. I mean, who else would say that? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. They were concerned about the whole matter. And indeed, that's what the Lord Jesus said we ought to be, because the Lord Jesus said this about your soul. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In other words, you should be willing to give up anything in this life in order, order to make sure that your soul is ready for eternity and ready for death. But for many of you, you'll maybe forge a career. You'll try and sow the seeds of success. You want to raise a family. You want to go to work every day, maybe five, six, seven times a week. You, earn, you want to earn a living. You want to grow old. You want to have a retirement. You want to have grandchildren. And you'll do everything, everything, except for worry about your soul and you'll give all of that in exchange for your soul. The Lord Jesus was, be, was being concerned about those, about your, the Lord Jesus was concerned for those he spoke to about their souls and he's concerned about your soul tonight. That's what he meant when he said, what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Do you have any profit in your life? What is the profit? Is it money? Maybe it's not money. What is it? So-called freedom? Is it your sin? Jesus, the Son of God, he says, What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The Lord Jesus is saying he's very concerned about your soul. 
And he's saying you ought to be concerned about your soul too. These Israelites here in their sin and ruin, all of a sudden they're concerned about their soul because they say in our passage tonight, they say this, we are not saved, can that be applied to you? We see a very worrying prospect. I wonder, can that worrying prospect be applied to you? But secondly, we see a weeping prophet. A weeping prophet. Listen, the harvest may, all, may, may be almost past. The summer may be nearly ended and you may still not be deceived. But the people were in hopelessness and they were despairing. And the man, Jeremiah, he was wailing and he was praying for deliverance. And he couldn't believe that it, this deliverance hadn't come yet for the people. And he's weeping. And in verse 1 of chapter 9, listen to what he says. He says, oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. He was so heartbroken. Why? Because the people weren't saved. Jeremiah was concerned for the souls of the people. And I want to tell you that the Lord Jesus Christ was so concerned for your soul that he died for it. He went to the cross of Calvary and he shed his precious blood for it. And I'm not here tonight to preach an easy listening, fluffy type sermon that tells you it all be all right in the end. I'm wanting to do a dealing with your soul tonight. Are you saved? Are you saved? Have you placed your trust in Christ as your saviour? Are you looking to the cross of Christ alone who went there, who died for you and took the punishment for your sin so that you could be free from the guilt of your sin? Are you concerned about your soul? Are you concerned about where you'll wake up in eternity? Jeremiah was concerned about these people's souls and he wept. He cried for their souls. And can I ask you at the end of another summer, can it be said of you that the summer has ended and you're not saved? Have you considered your soul and have you considered getting saved over the past year? For if you haven't, that's a sure sign. If you haven't got saved, that you're not concerned about your soul. A man or woman that's concerned about their soul will be saved and they'll give it to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's as simple as that. Imagine walking into a doctor's, a doctor's office and you have pains in your chest. And you sit down with the doctor and the doctor say, well, what's wrong? And you say, well, I've got bad pain in my chest, but I think I'm all right. I'm not going to worry about it. And you go for tests and you find out that your arteries are blocked up and you haven't a care in the world. And the doctor is pleading with you to have a bypass, but you just leave. Can you imagine a doctor being more concerned for his patients, for his patient? That just wouldn't happen. You would go and you would get the surgery. But that's the foolishness of sinners. Because the saviour of sinners is more concerned about your soul at times than you are. And dear friends, tonight I can even stay tonight and I stand before God as I say this. I would say possibly I'm more concerned about your soul than you are. Imagine that. I know that there are those who are sat around you in the service this evening and they've prayed for you and they've weeped tears for your soul. And the truth is, I may, ne- may not even have met you. And perhaps may not even have had a chance to speak to you in my life. And I may never get a chance to do that. But I prayed for you. Because I plead with the Lord to save any lost soul that comes under the sound of this preacher's voice. Let me tell you this. I could be more concerned about your soul and its eternal destiny than you are. Isn't that terrible? To think that a man or woman 
who's headed for a lost eternity on their way to a sinner's hell without any concern. Is that you? You see, what Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, is saying in our text is the seasons of opportunity will come to an end. That's what the prophet is meaning. Summer passed and it's ended. Harvest ended. The opportunities for blessing will come to an end. How many opportunities have you had? Oh, we could count them up. The gospel meetings you've been to. Maybe even the gospel missions you've been to. The youth meetings you've been to as children. Sunday school, children's meeting, a quiet word from a friend or relative about your soul. You've been in gospel meetings where the Spirit of God has come down and Christ Jesus has been presented, crucified in all his agony, bearing the sins of men. You've seen him and you've walked out on that opportunity of trusting him once more. What about when you go into Balamina or down to the city in Belfast, that wee man that gave you a gospel tract and you stuff it in your pocket? What about that? You see, God is writing all these things down. There's a book, you mightn't believe it, but there's a book and all your opportunities are being listed one by one and God is counting them and yet you're sitting here and there's still condemnation on your head and with all people who hope that you'll come to see if you're praying for you, with all the opportunities you've had, to still tonight you say, I'm not saved, dear friend. You've been brought up in a land where the gospel has been presented in every corner. And truly the grace of God has been lavished upon you. Yet still you say, I'm not saved. Is that your cry? Oh, my friend, I believe this very night, at this very moment as I speak, that there are souls being dropped into hell. Do you know what they're crying? Why am I not saved? That's what they're crying. They don't really know why they're not saved because after a life perhaps like yours of hearing the gospel and squandering opportunities, they still don't know why they're not saved. And there's a day coming when they'll be brought before the great white throne of God and the Lord Jesus Christ will sit upon it. And he'll open the book of opportunities, all the prayers that were prayed for you, all the harvest seasons of hope, all the summer, spiritually speaking, of opportunity that you had, and all of them, and he'll go down them all, and he'll just say, refused, 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 and there'll be an entry. And the date will be Sunday the 3rd of September 2023. The location will be Grange Baptist Church. And I wonder, will it say that you refused on that occasion as well? I hope that you won't stand before the great white throne and hear your eternal destination. Hell, my friend, listen to me. You will stand on that day having had a multitude of opportunities. You'll go out into hell and I want to tell you, you won't need the fire and brimstone to torture you. The opportunities that you refused on them by themselves will torture you. You had a chance. You had many chances. You had a harvest in a summer. And yet you're still not saved. I wonder, are you like Judas? Imagine, can you imagine the privilege that that man had? He heard the voice of Christ. 
Maybe you've heard it. Maybe God has spoken to you on many occasions and you've wept tears and conviction and yet your heart is still hardened. And Judas, he heard the teaching of the Savior. He was a partaker of it. He was the treasurer of the disciples. But he was able to portray the Lord with a kiss. And for 30 pieces of silver, the price of a dirty old slave. And the Bible says that he went to his own place. There's a special compartment in hell for him. My friend or my unconverted friend, can you see the magnitude of this whole thing? Don't let it be you. Don't pass up another opportunity to be saved. The Lord Jesus, he stands tonight and he can save you. Don't let the blood of Christ abide in your head and the wrath of God upon your soul. He died for you because he, because he loves you and he pleads with you. My question is, will you walk out another night saying I'm not saved? Maybe the end of summer marks the end of an era in your life. Perhaps your career is over. Maybe you've retired. Maybe your life at home with the parents has passed and it's nearly over and their influence of godliness is nearly over. Maybe your time at Sunday school has passed and the influence of a godly Sunday school teacher has passed. It's almost ended. Perhaps your very life is nearly concluded, yet you've never concluded the matter of your soul's salvation. What a fool, my friend. What a fool. I don't say that you're a fool myself. I say it on the authority of God's word. That's what God's word calls you. A fool. Because you've had all these opportunities. And yet you're still not seeing. And you know I can say that tonight because there was one day the Lord Jesus Christ met me in my sin. There was maybe many a meeting that I sat in and I was unmoved. But there was one day the Lord came and I realized my sin. And I placed my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I asked him to forgive me for my sin. I thanked him for dying on the cross for me and taking my punishment. And that day the Lord Jesus saved me for time and eternity. And I want to tell you something. There's not been one day I've regretted it. And I could bring many a person up here to testify tonight who has placed their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, knowing the forgiveness of sin, knowing that the guilt of sin has been dealt with in their life, trusting Christ. And I have never once met a Christian who says they regret it, trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. He's a wonderful friend. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's a wonderful Savior because he'll stand for you in eternity. I wonder, are you saved tonight? You know, these Israelites, when they were saying this statement, the harvest is past, the summer has ended, we're, we're not saved. Do you know what they were saying? They were saying, where has God been? You're talking maybe about the past, they were talking about the past year and they were asking, where is it? Where has God been? Maybe you look over the past year and there's been many problems in your life. Maybe it's been difficult and you say, if God really exists, if God's really here, why is he sending this all my way? I've gone through heartaches and troubles and all sorts of stress and problems and God hasn't been there to help me. That's what the Israelites were saying. Maybe that's what you're saying. The harvest is past, the summer has ended and God still hasn't come to my aid. 
Do you know what God said back to them? What God said to them in the verse before? He says, you know why I forsook you? Because of your idols and because of your foreign gods and because of your sin. If you don't want me to forsake you, you've got to forsake them. And that's what God wants you to do tonight. He wants you to forsake your sin. He's wanting you to forsake those gods that are in your heart that you worship. And the reason why God hasn't penetrated your life is because in your rebellious sinfulness, you won't let him. Oh, dear friends, there's a worrying prospect to consider this evening. I am not saved. There's a weeping prophet and maybe you've heard many pleas from many a preacher who has wept for your soul. But remember tonight there's a saviour who weeps for your soul. But finally this evening there's a wonderful provision. There's a wonderful provision. Look at verse 22. This is what it says in Jeremiah chapter 8 in the verse 22. It says, is there no balm in Gilead? Listen. Listen, there is balm in Gilead. Maybe you don't understand what that means. Here's quite simply what it means. There's medicine for your need. There's hope. And what fool would go out into eternity without that hope? And tonight I proclaim in the name of the Lord Jesus that there is balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. There's medicine for your soul. You can't go back in time to other opportunities that the gospel was presented. You can't take them again. But my friend, you have the opportunity right now. You have hope right now of believing. You've wasted many years, but there's medicine that can cleanse you, and it's there at Calvary. And if you would ascend the hill of the Lord with me tonight, and by faith, if you would come to where that great river of medicine of the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, is, that cleanses from all sin, it's still flowing today for all, for the whosoever will. And if you will plunge beneath that flood, you'll be as white as snow. And all it takes is for you to by faith, to cry out to God, to tell him that you're a great sinner and that you're in need of a great saviour who shed his blood at Calvary. Ask that God would wash you clean with that blood of Christ, that medicine that flowed at Calvary. And dear friend, you could start for heaven tonight. You could have hope in your life. Or as you go out into another winter season, will you waste another opportunity? Perhaps waste another year? And eventually waste your own soul? What are you going to sell your soul for this year? What will you substitute your soul for? Will you sell it for more money that you want? Your money won't come with you into eternity. Will you sell it for your family? Will you sell it for your credibility, for your friends, the ones you go out for a drink with? Is that what life is to you? Is that what your soul is worth to you? The soul of your wife, your family, your children? Will you wake up in hell, God forbid, and cry an awful tear-wretching, soul-wretching cry? I'm not saved. Dear friends, there's balm in Gilead. There's medicine for your soul. His name is Jesus. And he shed his precious royal ruby blood for you. Don't let another summer pass. 
Don't let another opportunity pass and not be saved. The harvest is past. The summer is ended. And we are not saved. We're going to sing together as we close our meeting this evening. We're going to sing just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me. And that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God. I come, O Lamb of God, that's a strange saying. But you know, there were many lambs in the Old Testament were sacrificed and they pointed to the Lord Jesus. And that Lamb of God is just speaking about the Lord Jesus. It's a word that's used to describe him. And it's simply saying, Lord Jesus, I come just as I am. You don't need to sort your life out to be saved. You come as you are, just as I am without one plea. There speaks about that blood. Is there a balm in Gilead? Well, it's the blood of Christ. Is that wonderful medicine that can wash you white as snow, that can cleanse you from the sin, free you from the guilt of your sin, just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood, that medicine, that royal ruby blood was shed for me. And that thou bidst me come to thee. He's bidding you to come to him tonight. You can respond and say, Dear Lord Jesus, O Lamb of God, I come.